What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> the Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, November 3, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 653 of the Biden-Harris administration. Five, five days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go for now. And our Patreon is bobseskashow.com, as always. So we got lots of shit to talk about. We're going to talk about Elon Musk. We're going to talk about the midterms. And Republicans saying the quiet parts out loud. <laughs> All that and more on today's show. But first, here comes the Goth Ninja. It is uh, Jody Hamilton from the From the Bunker podcast. Patreon.com slash From the Bunker. I don't know what's going on with my audio today. I've started the show like a couple of times already. And uh, David Ferguson. We call him T-Rex. His music project is Astral Summer. can be found at astralsummer.bandcamp.com. How do I sound? I was monkeying with my board, as I typically do, <laughs> just about every day, and I, I think I monkeyed with it too much yesterday. So it's, everything sounds weird to me, but I think we're okay. Sounds can, good to me. Okay, Jody, you can yep. hear me. David, I hear you. I hear Jody. You both yep. can hear me, so all right. Check. One, two. Namaste, cocksuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You know what? I haven't done this throughout this entire election cycle, and I think, yeah, I think it's time for this. You're going to freak out now? <laughs> yeah. This music, because this is the last Thursday show before the goddamn midterms, and I'm so ready. I'm so ready for this election cycle to be over. But you know what? It's not yeah. going to be over on Tuesday. <laughs> right. No, it's not. Yeah. That'll just be, Tuesday will just be the beginning of the end. Hopefully not the beginning of the end of democracy, but the beginning of the end for this midterm election cycle, which has just been uh, so packed with fuckery. I think more fuckery than we've seen in previous election cycles, just because... More than 2020? Well, 2020 was pretty fucking awful. Yeah, but I'm thinking in terms of <laughs> midterms. I'm not. T- I'm not talking about the presidential elections. I, I think as far as oh, midterms go. Oh, why do you say that? <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll try to be more specific for you. Uh, the problem has been with this midterm election cycle is 
we don't have any sort of accurate read in terms of what's going to happen other than maybe some of the early vote numbers. I think the polling has been wildly off base. I think it's been gamed by Republican pollsters. I think they've been flooding the zone with polls that are favorable to Republicans, skewing the polling averages. And there's no real way to chart what's going on. But at the same time, a lot of the usual suspects in the political news media are covering the polls as if everything's fine and everything's normal and there's nothing hinky happening in this election at all there's nothing unusual there are no real stakes you know just both sides screaming at each other that each one is going to destroy democracy so therefore no one's going to destroy democracy that's the attitude that we've been getting and i'm so goddamn tired of it i'm so sick of the political press in this country you know i'm not talking about all so hashtag not all journalists but you know the ones you know the ones i'm talking about who are just like yeah like uh andrea mitchell yesterday Uh, talking about how both sides are instigating violence she brought up uh violent threats against liz cheney adam kinziger and uh susan collins i think was the other one okay the violence is coming from the republican magas not from democrats yes that's exactly fucking right and that's what she failed to mention in that concert she just is so desperate to find an example of how both sides instigate violence and it's not really happening on the left. I don't see any democratic political leaders going around saying, hey, you know what? It's all right to kick the crap out of those red hat protesters. That's not happening. We have never seen, I did a whole banter piece about it uh, that was out this morning in the banter.substack.com. It's basically the same thing I do every time. There's some sort of violent far-right extremism happening, some sort of violent attack. I bring out those videos, all of the videos, which I've collected over the years of Republicans setting an example for their followers, saying, you know what? This is how we do democracy in this country. If we don't like a piece of legislation or we don't like a Democratic politician, shoot them. We shoot it. We shoot it. And that's exactly what they have done this election cycle and in all previous election cycles. Most recently, that guy who was running in, I want to say Arizona or something like that in the primary, a Republican, of course, who did that political ad where he shoots Nancy Pelosi in sort of this OK Corral style Old West scenario. So it's no wonder this shit happens. But I mean, that's not the point. The point is that we still have a news media class in this country that refuses to cover this shit for the truth that it is. And I don't know if it's the editors, I don't know if it's the reporters themselves or the segment producers or what have you that guide this crap along, but I don't think we're going to have any final results on Tuesday. I think this is going to be a drawn-out process where probably at some point Tuesday night, we should all get ready for this. We are going to be emotionally devastated (laughs) by what's going on on television. It's bound to happen, mainly because... There are lots of early votes that will still need to be counted that won't be counted as of polls closing in the East at whatever time. They're not going to be done. They're not going to be done counting votes. It's not going to have any firm calls unless it's a, a very small district somewhere in the hinterlands of whatever state where they can quickly count the votes because no one lives there. That will get results there. But we're not going to have any definitive results in terms of whether the Democrats hold Congress or whether the Republicans take Congress. That's not going to happen Tuesday night. But based on what we've seen in the past, too, 
we can guarantee that all the cable news networks are going to be cornacking it up, especially Cornacki himself. <laughs> and so that's going to be uh, a lot of artificial drama, which has sadly become part of this ongoing fuckery that we see, especially on cable news. So we should all get ready for that. Because invariably, what we will see Tuesday night is a lot of people on Twitter and other social media going, oh my God, we're fucked. As far as our coverage here, we're going to do a roundtable show on Wednesday. I hope we have some positive results to report <laughs> on that show. <laughs> but I don't even know if we're going to know anything by Wednesday midday when we go to record that thing. But uh, that's going to be the plan for us. There's not, it's not going to be a regular guest show on Wednesday. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to cover the election that day. Uh, my biggest fear in all of this leading up to Tuesday is that rank-and-file voters, I've talked about this in the past, rank-and-file voters aren't taking the stakes seriously enough. I had an exchange, a brief exchange with Rachel Biddecoffer, who posted this on Twitter. She wrote, the president of the United States, and then colon, this might be America's last Democratic election. So Rachel Biddecoffer quoting President Biden from last night. And then she said, media, colon, in other news. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's kind of illustrating what I'm talking about here. People aren't taking it seriously enough. And then I quote tweeted that. I quote tweeted Rachel and I said, there are many great journalists out there, but the bad ones fail to realize that a red hat fascist government will black bag and disappear the so-called enemies of the people first. Yep. Yep. And then someone jumped into the replies, another blue check, who said, I'm hugely critical of the far right, but hyperbole doesn't help our case. Nobody is getting black bagged. The real risk God. to democracy is more subtle changes that tip the balance in their favor. The real threats are bad enough that we don't need to make up new ones. And so I quote tweeted that. Where was that person on January 6th? Were they in like a medically induced thank coma? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, like David. Because that's exactly what I said back to this guy. I said, Invading and occupying the Capitol in order to overturn an election and assassinate political leaders on direct orders from a tin pot dictator in the midst of a year-long plot to commit election fraud from the Oval Office. You mean subtle changes like that? That was my response to that guy. I mean... And you're giving yourself you, a round of applause. <laughs> that, hey, yeah, I have no control over the studio audience. They just clap whenever they're... <laughs> that's the fiction I'm trying to perpetrate here. But the fact is that this guy's not alone. Oh, that's not going to happen. It can't possibly happen like that. And suddenly I'm doing... I guarantee I'm, you that person is comfortably, like, paid. They have enough money. They're white and male. I, uh -huh. I guarantee... Like, there's no way that that person is not a straight white man. Good God. What ignorance as far as the real threat that we're facing. Yeah, but he's yeah. not But he's not the only one. Uh, there are millions of American voters right now who are going to be stepping into a voting booth on Tuesday who believe the same thing. Yeah, that this is all about gas prices and inflation, and that's all that really matters. It doesn't matter that democracy is on the line. It doesn't matter what the President of the United States said last night about how we face this violent form of far-right extremism, how we face a very serious threat to democracy, that this could be the last democratic election. And in fact, I think we'd be foolish if we didn't brace ourselves for, as I was saying before, 
for some continued fuckery. I mean, I remember being on the Stephanie Miller show the day after election day in 2020 and holding up my Tim Russert sign that said fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. What did we see? This guy could have jumped into my timeline and said, oh, you're just exaggerating. Why is my impression of this guy Jiminy Glick? I don't know why I'm doing... <laughs> yeah, I, Matthew and Modine. No. I, <laughs> and tell me, what is your real name? It's Edie Falco. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm sure this guy would have jumped into my thread at that point in time and go, oh, the hyperbole, Bob. Fucker, what are you talking about, fucker? Everything's going to be fine. Donald Trump, you know what? It's the same kind of bullshit that we saw in 2016 going into 2017. Oh, Donald Trump will absolutely pivot to being presidential. Oh, yeah. You just wait and see. Uh-huh. It's I'm the same shit we saw in the Iraq war. I mean, it's yeah. the same people basically telling us we're being hysterical and overreacting. Right, right. If Do you want to hear some good news, though? Yeah. Um, according to, there's a couple of tr uh, election trackers right now, mm -hmm. and some of them have different uh, breakdowns of information, but apparently in Pennsylvania right now, this time in 2018, about 12,000 people between the ages of 18 and 26 had early voted. This time, 50,000 people in that age range have voted in Pennsylvania. Hey, that's great. I'm going to get way out over my skis. <laughs> when does that um, ever happen? <clears throat> and say that I think that this is going to be a blue wave. Mm -hmm. The Democrats are going to be fine. Yes. That early voting numbers are reassuring me. And I think that, like, there will be some fuckery and there will be some pissing and screaming and moaning from people like Carrie Lake and, um, you know, the various usual suspects. Mm -hmm. But that I do not think that the sense of apathy goes as deep as a lot of people fear. Because, yeah. I mean, black people know what's happening. Queer people know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... Uh, and that's the real base of the Democratic Party, yes. folks. And yeah. I know you'd like to think that it's, you know, Glenn Greenwald and um, that other guy, Michael Earhart or whatever. Uh, no, that's not his <laughs> name. Michael, Michael, Michael Earhart's a friend of mine. Uh, Ryan, yeah, Michael right? Tracy. Yeah, those um, assholes, yeah. Sorry, Michael Earhart. I didn't mean to bring you up. In the, <laughs> yeah, I'm not casting aspersions. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not the base of the Democratic Party. The base of the Democratic Party is a, like, 65-year-old woman named Gladys who's black and is, like, a public school teacher. Thank you. Right. Yes, 100%. Um, that is absolutely people true. people who have been doing the legwork since the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, – and people want to talk about how, like, the base of the Democratic Party is the far left. Blah, 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 blah. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's the deep brown. Yes. It's, you know, it's yeah. black and brown people and people who understand that our actual rights are on the line. Right. And they understand that there's no other option but to activate, but to vote in every single election. Black people understand that if they don't activate, we all get screwed. And so thank God they continue to stick around and fight the good goddamn fight in all of this. Because I get the sense that some of us just are like, well, this is just optional. And, you know, I think I don't believe this whole bullshit about the end of democracy and about fascism and all. That's all just media manipulating us. Congratulations. You've got the privilege to think that way. But that's not what's actually happening. And I, I'm so glad you guys both brought up this positive news because I'm feeling it too. There's no way that the midterms turn out vastly different from all the special elections that we've seen this year. The Kansas ballot initiative on abortion 
I mean, being one of the most glaring examples. Mm-hmm. What is it, the New York 18th race, which seldom goes to Democrats, a, a Democrat winning in that one. I mean, it is example after example showing that the polling is wrong. And, and as far as Pennsylvania goes, I've received a couple of notes from people mentioning to me that there was no early voting in 2018, but there was absentee voting. Yes, there was. But here's just an example. I I, I was just talking about not looking at polls, but I just want to bring this up briefly. (laughs) But look at this one. But but no, this is not to talk about the horse race. This is to talk about the Green Party screwing things up. This is where liberals shoot themselves in the foot for some reason by voting for the Green Party candidate. North Carolina Senate race. Ted Budd right now leads by one point over Sherry Beasley, the Democrat. So that's 48-47. But you know what the Green Party candidate's pulling down right now? Matthew Ho? 4%. So you give that 4%. By the way, there's a libertarian candidate named Shannon Bray. She's pulling at 1%. So let's say you take that one away from the four and give three points to Sherry Beasley. There's the win. There's victory in North, the North Carolina Senate race. Mm. Yep. Um, so that's the ball game right there. Yeah. That's where a, a bunch of liberals, 4% of yep. otherwise Democratic voters, people who would normally vote for the Democrats, walking into a polling place and saying, a pox on both of their houses. I need to vote my conscience. I have a right to ignore the societal concerns of this nation. I don't <laughs> care about the greater good all I care about is you do you, or more importantly, me do me, <laughs> or yep. whatever. That's the attitude going in. It's a selfish bullshit way to approach binary election. Green Party candidate Matthew Ho never going to win, never ever going to win. The and race he's probably never held office before in his life. You know, it's yeah. not like the guy's a respected long-term state senator from North Carolina or something. No, he's probably like just come from a startup or something. Yeah. And it has no relevant experience, and it's probably getting money from the Russians. Yeah. You know what these Green Party voters are doing? They're whizzing on the electric fence is what they're doing. Yeah, because you're only screwing yourself. You know, look, if you're living in a district where the Democrat is going to win with 90% of the vote, fine. Have your little selfish <laughs> protest vote. But in, a, in an election where it's neck and neck for the United States Senate, where it could be that the Democrats could pick up another Senate seat in North Carolina where no one was really following, and you've decided to vote Green Party, oh my God, you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. And nothing you say it will convince me otherwise. So right. there, No, I mean, you that. might as well just like set your ballot on fire. Exactly. It's going to have that much meaning in the greater scheme of things. It's like, I'm so glad that you voted your conscience. Right. But, you know, in the meanwhile, we get like some shit kicker talibangelical in office, and you know, the balance of the Senate goes to the. It's just, I, like, I, you know, anyone who's voting green, they're not a serious student of current affairs. They're no. just wanking. You know, exactly. Exactly. We need every vote, including some of these contrarian left wing voters. Mm -hmm. And they're denying the greater good of those votes because they think something is true, which is not true. 
which you go into a polling place and you vote merely to reflect your own personal morality and whether you can personally sleep at night. And that is an inherently selfish thing in a system that is all about a group effort. It's all about majority rule. It's all about getting to 51 percentage points. And there are only two options as to who's going to actually win this in 99.99999% of the cases. So, and that gets lost. That gets lost, but reinforced quite well in the political news media, reinforced quite well on social media, where all these people group together and they pat each other on the back for voting their conscience and screwing all of us, especially the more disadvantaged classes of Americans, as new anti-trans laws get passed, as new discriminatory uh, voter suppression laws get passed, as anti-abortion laws get passed in all of these states. Yeah, good, you're voting for the Green Party, how is that going to help the anti-abortion situation? I mean, what if this, and I'm making a big deal out of this because this is an important thing to keep in mind right before the election. What if this one Senate seat becomes the tipping point for whether a national abortion ban gets passed? What if this is the Senate seat that tips the balance in favor of the Republicans? Where Ted Budd ends up squeaking it out because... Matthew Ho picked up 4% of the vote, depriving Sherry Beasley of uh, what could have been a victory there and the deciding vote to block some sort of ridiculousness that emerges out of the House of Representatives as far as banning abortion nationally. Or God only knows what other fuckery is going to come out of. And by the way, do you think Kevin McCarthy is automatically going to be the Speaker of the House if the horror show actually occurs? Could very God, easily if be. They throw that gavel in the air. He will chew through people's bodies to have it. I mean, nobody wants that yeah. fucking gavel as bad as Kevin McCarthy. He is so like that is his only guiding principle. But I don't so, know if you saw uh, Officer Michael Fanon's amazing interview yeah. on Nicole Wallace's deadline oh, yeah. at White House yeah. the other day. Yeah. But he was taken no prisoners, and he was mm-hmm. like, the only thing that Kevin McCarthy wants is to be Speaker. Period. That is his guiding principle. Yeah. Is more power. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's why he's perfectly willing to, like, you know, smoke the angel dust with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jewish space lasers and Lauren Boebert, high school dropout sex offender husband. You know, he just wants more power. I haven't eliminated the possibility, too, that there will be a campaign to nominate Donald Trump to become Speaker of the House. Yes, or Jim, or even worse, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. Well, I don't know if yeah. that's worse. I mean, it's a matter of degrees as to whether Speaker of the House Jim Jordan or Speaker of the House Donald Trump would be a worse option. I think Donald Trump would be worse. But yes. Jim Jordan wants it too. And he's got the crazy caucus backing him. He's got all of the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, the angertainment industry backing him. They don't like Kevin McCarthy. The Trump people, yeah. the Red Hats, don't like Kevin McCarthy because of what Kevin McCarthy said and did right around January 6th. Yep. What, Donald Trump was already with today screaming about how uh, Mitch McConnell should be impeached, not realizing that you can't impeach a senator, you fucking idiot, <laughs> proving that any dumb shit can be president. <laughs> you don't have to. You can be president for four years and still not know that a sitting United States senator can't be impeached. Right. Just an amazing thing. The demystification of the presidency, indicating that any folksy political tourist can do the job. 
But any fucking idiot can Google that shit too before they shoot their mouth off. You yeah. Know? It just yeah. like that's the problem with this asshole is that mm. the concept of gathering evidence is completely alien to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as uh, the safety of the election goes, as far as getting to your polling place without being intimidated, uh, at the very least, this federal judge has issued a uh, restraining order against a group that's been accused of intimidation and harassment of voters casting ballots at uh, drop boxes in Arizona. U.S. District Court Judge Michael Liberty said members of Clean Elections USA are barred from taking photos, filming, following, speaking, or yelling at anyone within 75 feet of a ballot drop box or the entrance to a building that houses one. The order also prohibits the group from openly carrying weapons or visibly wearing body armor within 250 feet of the drop boxes. You know, the body armor, because they're such, they're such brave people. They're yeah. such alpha. You know... Strong I wish guys. a motherfucker would step to me when I'm trying to vote this year. Because I, you think that, like, Kevin McCarthy chasing the gavel was ugly. I will fucking leave strips of that person all over the pavement that are nothing more than an inch wide. I'm telling you. Like, they will be human pasta. Like, yeah. I just, and you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see that, but while you're wearing your flying squirrel outfit. <laughs> Whatever that was. That was one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen. You dressed as a flying squirrel on Halloween. That is one of the greatest pictures of David I've ever, ever seen. <laughs> so congratulations. The sad thing is that we like we were like, we're going to take a disco nap before we, because it's a big parade every year on Halloween yeah. called the, the Wild Rumpus that's become a big tradition. And um, But they do it at like 8 p.m. because kids come and everything. And we were like, let's take a little disco nap. And we woke up at like 8.30. And we're totally <laughs> like drool stuck to our faces, like pillow marks, just completely like... <laughs> <laughs> nowhere we stayed home and watched horror movies and ate leftover chili okay uh still lots more to come on the show today we got to talk about uh the latest from elon musk and what's happening on twitter and one of the things i want to do as far as that goes, <laughs> what's that smell it's elon musk <laughs> <laughs> buzz had the definition of musk for us on tuesday's show and it was just as gross as you can imagine <laughs> It comes from a must comes from I think it involved the words reddish brown secretions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, like a Santorum. Really gross, but yeah. Listen to Tuesday's show if you want to hear the whole definition from Buzz on that. But uh, one yeah, of the things I love that, you, Buzz, but I may pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to erase it from my brain. Uh, here's one thing I want to talk about in this context: why specifically verification is important, and that's by way of a story that rewinds back to 2009. And those of you who follow the sports ball will recognize the name Tony LaRussa and a lawsuit against Twitter that he engaged in back in 2009. I want to read that story just to give you a sense of why the verification process exists and why it's important. Plus, uh, oh my God, this Wisconsin Republican uh, candidate for governor saying the quiet part out loud, as I was saying earlier on the show, Cash Patel has flipped, so we'll get into that yep. too. Plus, another example of how uh, premature goblin fetus Greg Gutfeld is yeah. representing America's cultural and political rot. Just another example in the long list of examples of how this guy is the worst of the worst. 
absolutely the worst of the worst. He, he really, really gets under, he bothers you, doesn't he? I mean, I don't even think about, I mean, Greg Gutfeld, I'm like, who? I mean, he really is like a non-entity outside of this, the terrarian that is Fox News. And, but Yeah, well. He's, he's awful. He, he's, got, he's, he's got the most popular late night show on television. And it's on yeah. Fox News Channel. So people are aware, and, and plus, he's one of the five, which is the most popular cable news show across all of cable. So the guy has a platform. The guy is well-known. The guy is popular. And I think that's one of the things that I resent most, is right. that he's this awful, awful troll of a rat bastard kind of person, and yet he's immensely popular. And that shows you, much like Donald Trump, much like the Trump copycats, shows you how far a certain segment of our population has fallen. <laughs> right. Uh, what the, a truly benighted and godforsaken age we live. <laughs> no shit. Okay, if you're only listening to the free portion of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts, you're only hearing the first hour of the show. Sometimes it's a little more than an hour, but you get the idea. There's an extra 20 minutes of show, though, after the end credits roll at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show, and it's all happening on our Patreon page. All the stuff we didn't get to in the free portion of the show gets dumped into what we call the Shadow Docket podcast at bobseska.com or bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. Shadow Docket drops every Tuesday and Thursday after the free show, and it's only going to cost you $5 per month, and you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast. By the way, we got a shit ton of declines <laughs> this month. Again, it was like, remember that crisis in July when there were, oh my God, three times as many declines as we normally get? Well, it happened again. It happened again this mm. month. So we had 54 declines. So we lost 54 subscribers on our Patreon page. So we got to make up that difference while I work this out once again with Patreon tech support. And if you're trying to change your payment information, keep trying. <laughs> keep trying. And if it doesn't work, contact tech support. I sent out an email with a link for that. So go and do that. Anyway, don't miss out on the shadow docket. <laughs> Again, Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska!
Mm. Yeah, the War and Treaty. This is one of our favorites. Oh, I love this band. Yeah. Yeah, this is a song called Yearning. Link in the description to support War and Treaty. BobSeska.com slash music to uh, submit your work to the show. Thank you for doing that. Submit rapidly. Go now. If you have a band, if you're a recording artist, I want to play your shit on the show. (laughs) That's what I want to do. Put your shit on the show. It's not a great way to sell it, is it? No, not, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Musicians, though, were like, yeah, it's slop, but it's what I do. You know? Like- <laughs> well, speaking of really piss poor sales pitches, Elon Musk. <laughs> Let me do it again. What the smell? It's Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as you were. <laughs> Yesterday, he posted one of his far right scribble memes. Are you familiar with these scribble memes that have like these poorly drawn characters and. There's like the oh, troll yeah. character and all the rest of it. Well, he posted one of these with his own little caption on it. And he said, uh, the one character says, $8 a month for Twitter verification. So much for free speech. And then the reply back is, you can still use Twitter for free just without the benefits. And then, of course, the blue check has a confused look on right. the face. This is the worst sales pitch I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So the idea is, <laughs> if you, a brilliant rhetorician, this guy is not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he really is like he argues like a thirteen-year-old. I don't know how. I mean, well, I know exactly how he's gotten where he is in life: money and privilege and whiteness. Sure, sure. And South African emeralds. But I just like he's such a fucking moron. It just anyway. As well, you yeah, but I mean, the, the point of this <laughs> meme is: if you want free speech, don't pay me. So he's basically, right. he, he gets on to Twitter. The first thing he does after he pays $44 billion, overpays to buy Twitter. First thing he does is get on and say, free speech is back, everybody. Mm-hmm. Except. <laughs> but, but if you want, and if you want that, don't pay me for this service that I'm rolling out. I mean, this is his sales pitch. I feel like uh, Jerry Seinfeld walking into the room and George Costanza splayed out on the floor in his underpants and he goes, "You and you want to be my latex salesman. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of reaction that this got. I mean, he's trying to sell this thing and then he's kind of disincentivizing people from actually doing it. Oh, free speech? Then don't bother paying me. Instead, you can pay for your speech and get this little icon next to your name now, which is going to be utterly fucking meaningless because I don't think this is going to involve any sort of proof of identity anymore. It's just going to be anyone who wants to pay him $8 a month is going to get one of these blue checks. At least that's the way it stands right now. I hate to break it to you, but your birdie app is about to fly into the ground. That's what I'm thinking. Remember when when Rupert Murdoch bought MySpace? Oh, yeah. And it died. Twitter's going to be a spirit Halloween by next October. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be the mall that the white people used to go to. It's going to be the sad mall. It'll be, the, as I was saying in the Stephanie Miller show this week, it's going to be the sad mall, the one with the dollar mm-hmm. store and the spirit Halloween that took over the JCPenney. Right. That's going to be Twitter before too long. And I intend to, as I've been saying, I intend to ride the rubble down. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm so glad I'm a subversive and don't even have a blue check to defend. Yeah. Me, me either. Right, and I'm going to lose my. I'm not super invested in Twitter. I, I've never really, you know, been super into it as a platform. I, I think it's 
a really good way for bad ideas to spread really fast. But you understand how it's in a way dominating the conversation though, right? I mean, you understand the importance of it in spite of the fact that it is insufferable. But I mean, do we really, really, really need to know every celebrity and public intellectuals like breakfast contents and their every last thought? <laughs> well, see, like, that's the problem. But you're that, like, it's just, but you're doing the thing where you put the system on trial. It is what it is. It exists and it is something that millions and millions and millions of people access every day. Uh, a lot of those people, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It is the new town square, except it's the town square for the entire globe. In fact, Elon Musk referred to it as some sort of galactic brain or something today. And we're all neurons. Whatever. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know. That's a good But I remember when I worked, you know, for the website that shall not be named, and I would be searching for <laughs> keywords on Twitter, you know, to do stories about people's Twitter reactions to things, which I think is another journalistic travesty. But And you would search for a keyword, and there would be pages and pages and pages of bots all firing on the same keywords from Russia or wherever. And it was just – I was like, this is, like, too manipulable, too shitty – to, it's just, I mean, I ugh, I don't know. I've never, like I said, I've never been a fan. I think it's done more harm than good in the world. And that we really, like, I don't really need to know what Joyce Carol Oates ate for lunch today. I don't. <laughs> well, I, well, that's, I mean, that's great. And, and it, we should all have that attitude when it comes to Twitter. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, bring back the blogs. Bring back discussion forums. Hell, bring back news groups. And shut down social media because the social media experiment has failed. It has crashed and burned. There were some great things about it. And if you're in the share a picture of my lunch version of social media, if you're in that universe, <laughs> good. I hope you enjoy. And that's fine. But by and large, social media has been toxic to American civilization. It has been toxic to American democracy. I mean, how many more examples do we need? To yeah, the whole to planet. Yeah. I mean, to every, because it's like, like I said, it's a brilliant, it's it's an autocrat's wet dream. Yeah, yeah. Because it is a spammable, bot-driven platform where you can just shoot shit out there into the universe with no accountability mm -hmm. and let the chips fall where they may. And yeah. so that's what I think Elon Musk likes about it. But I think that's the thing that advertisers hate about it. Yeah. And yeah. so I just I I think that the advertisers are going to jump ship because he's too erratic, and and like drops acid in tweets. <laughs> he's like, he just God, you're like I just it's so un, un he's so unimpressive as an intellect mm -hmm. is part of it for me. Same thing with Kanye fucking West, who I'm not going to call Yay or whatever. It's <laughs> like okay. You know, like the mentally, the schizophrenic guy that comes to the bakery every morning when we open and asks us for a free cup of coffee, like, I don't believe him when he says he's President Carter. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't <laughs> believe, you know, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to indulge him and call him Mr. You know, Pre Mr. President any more than I'm going to call, you know, Kanye West, yay. Yeah, right, right. It's like, his name is Kanye fucking West, and he's a mentally ill, rich person who has completely been untethered from reality, and it's like just burning it down now because he can't control himself. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he's like, you know, tip, these are CEOs. This is the CEO mindset. And that's the whole thing about Elon Musk. Like if you can be CEO of three companies at once, then that's not a hard job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like if you have time for all of your children in and out of wedlock 
and uh, three companies that you're CEO of, and you have time to pull your pud out there in public on Twitter with scribble memes. <laughs> this job is, you know, basically for a trained monkey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just—it's uh, amazing uh, with Elon Musk in particular, where he just doesn't understand how to pitch his own product. He just keeps fumbling and fumbling and fumbling, and everyone's standing around laughing at him, laughing and pointing as he fucks up this project that he overpaid for, this vanity project. But here, speaking of identity. Here's that uh, article. I blocked him, by the way. And I think everybody should block Elon Musk. Yeah, you know what? You know how to monetize Twitter? Elon Musk should charge everyone who blocks him a dollar. He would make a fortune. (laughs) He would make all of his money back if he did that. Uh, But this is the article I was talking about before with regard to Tony La Russa and his uh, lawsuit against Twitter. This goes back to June 8th of 2009. This is The Hollywood Reporter. In about as much time as it takes to type out a 140-character tweet, uh, Twitter and St. Louis manager Tony LaRussa have settled their legal dispute. Last month, LaRussa sued Twitter, claiming that someone had registered his name and began posting offensive comments. LaRussa claimed the faux poster had caused him emotional distress and before Friday's game commented, quote, there is a law against improperly using a person's name without authorization, and it wasn't authorized. Nevertheless, the case has been settled. LaRussa says he uh, made his point, although only four people had signed up to follow Tony LaRussa, the fake one, before he raised the profile of his digital doppelganger. But there's a broader problem here. For example, both of you guys don't have blue checks. So it'd be very easy for someone to put together. And this is, I was talking about this uh, on the phone with Cliff Schechter this week. And he brought up this example. I thought it was a great example that someone could register from the bunker junior or, mm-hmm. or something similar that looks almost mm-hmm. identical to that. And then start a GoFundMe and start saying, oh, you know what? I'm Jody Hamilton and I'm going to start a GoFundMe, contribute to my GoFundMe to raise money for blah, blah, blah. And then everyone runs over and contributes money to that, only then realizing, oh, shit, that's not really Jody Hamilton. That's the problem with not with being a public figure, but not having a blue check. So there is I will be the first to admit, and I'm not necessarily defending Twitter's blue check policy. I think it should have been open to all public figures who submit their government sanctioned IDs and so oh, but on. But now you have to have a, a follower count. Um, like if I lived in a small town in Nebraska somewhere, I would have a blue check by now. Yeah. Because I live in Los Angeles and my followers are obviously like everybody else going down. But and I only had 30,000 followers in Los Angeles. It doesn't count. Which is bullshit. That shouldn't be how the policy should work. No, it shouldn't. So and yeah, I mean, even no Stephanie idea. Miller, she's got millions of listeners. Yeah, Stephanie. Her, and she can't even get it, you know? And she has mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of followers on on, on uh, Twitter, but she can't even get it. And that's like, that's bull. Yeah, the same with Buzz Burbank. Doesn't have a blue yeah. check either. And he was on one of the most popular nationally syndicated radio shows for nearly 20 years. I yeah. mean, he's a name. And uh, he should have had a blue check as well. So there was problems and there continues to be problems with the blue check policy. However, this is the the value in having a blue check isn't about status. It's about protecting your identity as a public figure. And I'm going to lose. I'm going to completely lose my blue check because I'm not going to pay that motherfucker. I will not pay. See, I, don't, I don't think that policy is actually going to go into effect I, because I think that too many blue checks will just leave the platform. Uh, I think that he's going to be, this is one of those things where he's going to like relent and then be like, look what a reasonable guy I am. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, like, I just, uh, well, I, I don't think he's bringing anything in good faith to the table because he doesn't know how. You he's might like be Donald right. Trump. He, yeah, I, I think he, you're totally he right. He has no moral compass. Right, right. And he's he's pissing off people across the board. And in fact, he tweeted the other day, being attacked by both right and left simultaneously is a good sign. It's a good sign that you're selling a product that everyone hates. See, that's what I mean. He just he doesn't know how to pitch his own goddamn product. He's pitching it as if it's some sort of like he's trying to force you to eat something. He's like force feeding it to you while at the same time saying this is a stupid product. I don't understand this. No one likes it. I mean, look, even Cat Turd, even that guy, Cat Turd or whoever it is, that far right account, uh, Cat Turd 2, tweeted this the other day. I admit when I'm wrong, and I was 100% wrong about Elon Musk changing Twitter. The new Twitter moderation council is just a bunch of far-left fanatic groups who were never targeted here. No average Joes, no real conservatives, no one to represent the people actually targeted. So, yeah, he's Cat Turd's full of shit, and we all know that. But he's pissed at Elon Musk. It cracks me up, though, that this happened, like, less than 24 hours after Musk had bought the, taken over the platform. And he's like, nothing's changed. Yeah. What a fraud. <laughs> it's just like, dude, like, let it percolate a minute. Like, I mean, just. Well, meantime. That's to me, typical. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say, uh, meantime, Fox News anchors Dana Perino and Cat Timpf agreed on Thursday <laughs> that paying Twitter to keep their blue checks would be embarrassing. Uh, quote, uh, this is Bill Hammer talking. Let's say your blue check mark looks great, so thank you. Uh, he jokingly told Timpf. Would you pay $8 for it? Asked Perino. I think it's embarrassing to pay $8 for it. Shot back Timpf. I don't know if I'm even saying that last name correctly. It looks like Timpf. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not pronounced the way you're doing it. Right Probably now, not, but, but you know what? <laughs> By all means, Governor. These are please people, proceed. Yeah, <laughs> these are people who these are people who say Democrat Party. So I'm not concerned yeah, about exactly. pronouncing their last name correctly. I do too. I don't think I'm going to do it. Added Perino, concluding, I've been looking for a reason to get off Twitter, and that's what everyone's saying. I mean, I'm not the only it's one. It's like but- smoking. I mean, everybody knows it's not good for you. It's part of the other thing. Like, yeah. the same thing with Facebook. Like, I mean, it's just like when they keep jacking up the price of cigarettes when everybody, you know, was smoking, we'd be like, well, what are you going to do? Quit? Yeah. You know? No. You keep using it because it's impossible to quit because it's like fucking heroin. Yeah. So, like, and I think it's, we're coming up on a realization here. We're so close to connecting the dots to saying that social media is a non-chemical addiction like gambling or compulsive sex. Oh, yeah, yeah. It produces, like, brain chemis- chemistry things that, um, you know, brain chemistry things. That's the scientific term, folks. There's <laughs> so many amazing papers in The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine about brain chemical things. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, you I, know think, what I'm saying. I, I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of us do it for work, but a lot of us are addicted to it as well. And it's very easy to get addicted to it because it's that instant gratification that we love. It kind of stimulates our ego. But if you're doing it for work, you do it from like eight to five or whatever. But it's just like the whole like working at home thing, where work becomes home becomes work. Yeah, and you're just on it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I feel seen. Yeah, uh, but there is a certain time in the evening when I stop looking at Twitter. Well, I just can't deal with it anymore and just give up. Unless there's some big news event happening, I usually don't stick around. And then on you go Twitter to a streaming one. platform. Yeah. Yeah. Then I go to Instagram. But that's, I mean, it's. <laughs> which is just as bad, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. I saw a guy, I think his name is Bo Burnham, 
talking, yeah. and I really should have that right because his thing that I his video that I saw today, he was like, you know, we ran out of world to colonize. Like, there's yeah. no economic power left to gain from conquering land, but corporations figured out they could colonize your attention. Yeah, yeah, and they're coming for every last second that you're not actually working mm-hmm. or yeah. sleep. Yeah, uh, and that like that's what that you know, and the, their whole thing is growth. They want even more. He's like, you no, know, YouTube made four or five billion dollars last year, but it's considered in the red and failing because it's not expanding. Yeah, exactly. Because we have, we have this like consumer culture myth of infinite growth that you won't ever hit a saturation point mm-hmm. with it. And it's, it's not true about anything. Nothing right, grows right. forever. Meantime, Elon plans to fire 3,700 Twitter employees. That's a good idea. <laughs> right. It's just gonna it's just gonna be him like furiously peddling what looks like a Rube Goldberg machine. That yeah, exactly. A, like the Wizard like a, of Oz a behind the curtain. bike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pulling those like, levers. Just furiously trying to keep it going. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Meantime, Twitter has limited employee access to content moderation tools used to enforce its misinformation and civic integrity policies ahead of the midterm elections. Most of the people who work in Twitter's trust and safety organization are currently unable to penalize accounts that break rules around misleading information, offensive posts, or hate speech, many of the same policies that Trump routinely violated during the 2020 elections. I did see that someone was threatening Allison Gill with one of the aforementioned copycat imposter accounts where they said something like, Mueller, she wrote, should be shot in the profile. Yeah, and then a bunch of us reported that account, and so they took the account down. So someone's working. Someone at Twitter is dealing with some of these uh, reports, so I'm not sure how many people are doing that. But burnt out 26 year old who hasn't slept (laughs) since last week, you know, is like doing coke off their keyboard at home and just basically furiously trying to hang on Mm -hmm. for dear life. Yeah, well, off to you, anonymous Twitter staffer. Again, you keep fucking that chicken. <laughs> there, yeah, and there, there's no way Elon is going to change. There's no way he's going to suddenly pull up before he crashes into the ground. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to experience any sort of epiphany. Uh, he's no, always he's incapable of introspection, just like yeah. Donald Trump. I mean, they're right. kind of the same guy. Yeah, because they've been brought up in this environment where they're always right. You're always right because mm-hmm. you're the richest person in the room. Then, like, you never develop a character. You never develop the ability to persevere through struggle. And you just end up this, like, terrible, grown-up 13-year-old with no moral compass, with no sense of the greater implications of your actions, deeply incurious about the world, and just you buy things and break them. You buy them and break them. You know, it's the rich kid pattern. Yeah, well, the Trump comparison, I think, is spot on. Because I know that as soon as the sale went through and Elon did that first thing where he spread that disinformation about the attack on Paul Pelosi, I was like, I felt like when Trump got elected president, I was like, oh, fuck. Well, okay, just just remember that Twitter as an entity is protected by Section 230. Uh Uh-huh. Elon Musk Uh as a human being is not. (laughs) That's true. And Break that so down for the Paul listeners. Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi could sue him <laughs> for spreading that information because it was libelous. Yeah. Uh, the problem with it, though, is like it's how I equate it is say you have um, Charter Communications as your cable, comp- as your cable provider. Mm-hmm. NBC per- per- uh, presents uh, entertainment for you. 
Now, yeah. you can sue NBC for entertainment issues, but you can't sue Charter Communications for it because they're just presenting the platform for which NBC is on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what Twitter is about. It's like each person is providing content of their own. Right. Well, I, I do think at the end of the day, the best way to punish Elon Musk is to keep a close eye on where everyone's going. Yeah. When you start to see, for example, people of color abandoning Twitter and going to a certain yeah. place, you, you know the end is near. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no way of predicting, there's no way of knowing whether it's going to be counter-social or blue sky or Mastodon or whatever the fuck. Tribal wherever, or whatever, tribal. Yeah. Don't do tribal. Tribal's the worst of the worst. Don't do tribal. Okay, good. So there's no predicting what it's going to be. It's just going to sort of organically evolve into something. Right. The same way uh, MySpace took over from Friendster and Facebook right. took over for MySpace. MySpace, so, exactly. It was that slow transition process. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. I mean, who knew that Elon Musk could come along and make Mark Zuckerberg not look as bad? I know. By comparison. <laughs> I don't know. He looks pretty bad right I, now. Oh, like he looks like awful. All waxy in the meta. Well, know, apparently like, Paul Pelosi no staying Paul Pelosi's staying in the Zuckerberg San Francisco hospital. Apparently oh he God. named a hospital. <laughs> the irony. Holy yes. shit. Okay, well, uh, we still have more things to talk about. Did he name it after his father or something? No, No, I'm sure he bought the naming rights for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. He can afford it. (laughs) Okay, well, I still want to talk about this Wisconsin Republican saying the quiet part out loud and uh, the the thing about Cash Patel, which is great news on the uh, January 6th front, on the uh, Mar-a-Lago document front. So we'll talk about that, and uh, maybe we'll get to Greg Gutfeld. If not, as I said... It'll happen in the shadow docket. We're just, anything we don't get to in the free show, we uh, dump over into the shadow docket. Okay, uh, one last short break. Back with more show right after this. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Bob Seska plays more music. My old friends from uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. This is a band called John Flywheel. It's not the name of a guy, it's just the name of the band. Sort of like Pink Floyd. Or... What's another one? Jethro Tull. There's no guy named well, Jethro. Jethro Tull was a character from uh, 
Charles Dickens. Right. Yeah, but he's not a member of the band, is what I'm saying. No. Yeah. yeah. Or Leonard Skinner. Right. right. Well, the song is called Weekend. Had sex with your cousins. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, John Flywheel doesn't exist anymore. We lost uh, one of the main guys in, in John Flywheel a couple of years ago, but the music endures. It's some great stuff going all the way back to the early 90s, early mid 90s, and uh, really enjoy it. So, link in the description to support uh, John Flywheel. So, this uh, Republican uh, running for governor in Wisconsin, uh, Tim Michaels. Uh, confirm for us what the stakes are in this election. I still can't believe that people are still going like, oh, no, Bob, it's really about gas prices and inflation. No one gives a shit about this conspiracy mongering, this fear mongering Mm. about democracy and fascism and all that. Here's Tim Michaels talking to a group of supporters in what looked like a bookstore, which is rare for a Republican to be in a bookstore. (laughs) <laughs> probably a Christian bookstore. Yeah, well, yes, good point. That's probably what it was. don't count. <laughs> <laughs> so here's Tim Michaels saying the quiet part out loud. Republicans will never lose another election in Wisconsin after I'm elected governor. So, so way off mic, but Yay! again, Republicans... Yay, plus democracy, woo, fuck yes. the ass, let's all let it burn. I just... I, don't understand these people. Yep. But. I, I completely understand Red Hats supporting that kind of shit because all they care about is seizing power and slamming the door behind them and barricading that door. That's all they care about. They want to own the libs. They want power. They want control. And they'll do anything to attain that. The people that freak me the fuck out are the people who are like, oh, democracy is going to be fine. Matthew, my kids are named Matthew and Modine. Um, <laughs> what drives me nuts are the people who don't see the true stakes in this election, who didn't see the true stakes in the 2020 election, who won't see the true stakes in the 2024 election, even though they're saying it out loud. This guy is saying that if I become governor... I am never going to allow a Democrat to win in this state because I will control the levers of elections moving forward. That is where once the Republicans seize power, they're going to make sure nationally that Republicans never lose another election. That's what's been happening. They've been infiltrating the the uh, boards of elections, the, the people who count the votes. And the fact that people are going, well, if gas is $3 a gallon, so fuck everybody. Vote the bums out. My God. How is the message being lost so readily in the information age? Just uh, baffling. So that's that guy. Let the word go out that they're admitting it. They're admitting that if they win, democracy is over. Except for their own people. I mean, their own people will have privileged status, sort of like what blue checks will be under Elon Musk's regime on Twitter, so to speak. Uh, meantime, I, I wanted to mention this too. Uh, Cash Patel has flipped and is now working with the Department of Justice. Uh, he's been granted that guy immunity. needs to get his thyroid checked. Like his eyes do not look normal. I mean, he really like the the bulging, crazy eyes. I mean, maybe that he's just cranked all the time on coke or meth <laughs> or something. But yeah. like, he seriously looks like a caricature of a speed freak. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, if his eyes get, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just overreacting, and it's just an unfortunate 
like facial feature, but he, yeah, he just yeah. has the craziest eyes. You're like, somebody there flipping Cash Patel. I'm like, it sure didn't take much dynamite to get him off the ground. I'm sure, like, it's, it's just his eyes. Well, this He's all like ready to blow at any time. Yeah. <laughs> this all has to do with the uh, Mar-a-Lago espionage right. situation, and my hunch is that they got something on Cash Patel. They've they do, dis- and and his he if he lies, um, the deal's off. It's not it's not full on blanket immunity. It's qualified immunity. Yes, he can't take the fifth anymore. Nope. He's got he to testify. To speak, and yeah, he's got to speak. See, and I think. I think he was the one who was, you know, the bird dog that was going and getting the info and bringing it back to Trump. Yeah. Because Trump, I mean, he doesn't read. He has no concept of global intelligence. I mean, he doesn't, there's no way that he would know what was relevant. Mm-hmm. He would need someone to like point to him things and be like, this could help you get something over on Israel or this could help you get something over on Iran or, you know, like, I mean, because he just, Trump doesn't have the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I think DOJ prosecutors are having trouble with Walt Nauda, who's the guy who allegedly moved some of those documents around at uh, Trump's behest, right? He provided the authorities with different accounts about whether he moved those documents stored at Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The authorities are using the specter of charges against him for misleading investigators to persuade him to sit again for questioning. So Cash Patel, I think, helps along those lines. Because if Cash Patel knows anything mm-hmm. about what Nauda was doing, that will help persuade Nauda to cooperate and right. you know come uh, you know uh, tell the truth in all of this. Right. During uh, Patel's initial grand jury appearance, one of the people familiar with the matter said uh, Judge Beryl Howell of the Federal District Court in Washington acknowledged Mr. Patel's Fifth Amendment claims and said the only way he could be forced to testify was if the government offered him immunity. So that may be why it's unclear at this point. The decision by the Justice Department to grant immunity in the case, the person said, effectively cleared the way for the grand jury to hear Mr. Patel's testimony. So uh, now the question is, when does the indictment happen? Right. Uh, do we get Midnight, an- November 9th. 12.01 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Wednesday, November 9th. I, I really hope so. It, it'll be, you know what it'll be? It'll be two minutes after we're done recording a show. Probably. That's yeah. exactly It'll be the Thursday the 10th. Yeah. So, yeah. So, kind of, you can block out a period of time. You can block out a window of time in which Donald Trump will be indicted based on when we normally record the show, which is usually early afternoon. <laughs> Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. So, I'm being silly, of course. Except it's probably true. <laughs> right. Uh, in an appearance on Monday on the Benny Show, I guess that's Benny Johnson, a, pro, a, pro, a pro-Trump <laughs> podcast, uh, Mr. Patel was asked whether he would accept a position as FBI director if Mr. Trump were elected president <laughs> in 2024. Oh, shit. And and you know what Patel said? That's like offering like Seb Gorka at Surgeon General. You know, like, I mean... <laughs> He said, you know what he said in response to that? I'm all in with the boss, and you know that. First, I tell people, let's win the midterms, and then let's see what he does. And, you know, you and I think, I know what he's going to do, and then it's a two-year lift, and you know what? They're going to come after us. So, whatever the fuck that was. But regardless, um, 
Heat speak. It's yeah, like yeah. six different ideas all pointing in different directions that yeah. he just spits out. Like, it was a very yeah. confusing quote, that's for sure. But <laughs> so he would accept any position. You know, the I was thinking about this the other day. Can you imagine, and I'm just thinking in terms of Donald Trump himself, can you imagine like meeting someone just like bumping in? Let's say you're at a restaurant and you see someone you vaguely know and they come over and they say hi and and you say hi back and then you just start volunteering to them that you're very wealthy, that you have so much money. It's incredible how much money you have. And oh, by the way, you're the greatest at everything you do. Can you imagine saying that to another person? I, I can't yeah, kind believe- of. <laughs> it depends on the person. If it's somebody I went to high school with, yeah, I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm fabulously wealthy. Uh, you know, vacation Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess that um, is a loophole then. But I'm just saying, Donald Trump does that all the fucking time. I, I just I yeah, I, I find that way of communicating, his, is bragging and lying. That's all yeah. he does. There's something yeah. that's inherently funny about that to me. It's like, and I I can't help but to go back to this childhood story that I always tell. There was this kid who lived up the street from us named Robbie Chase. And he came over to the house one time. He's about my age. I, I don't know. I must have been six or seven years old. And he came to the house, and, and my mom offered him some Kool-Aid, and he spilled the Kool-Aid all over the carpet. And then as my mom was mopping it up, he just volunteered this information. He said, hey, you know what? I'm bionic, just like my brother. What? What? <laughs> you're, you're bionic? What, what is that? Uh... That's Donald Trump. I'm the greatest yeah, at everything no. I do. I am the greatest president. I won in 2020 by a lot. By the way, I still don't think he's going to run. I'm just going to put that I don't think so either. It really there. is going to depend on next week's yeah. results. It really is. Yeah. It's a whole lot of, you know, what you hear from Cash Patel and others is it's a whole lot of, well, he might. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe he won't. Maybe he will. Who knows? I don't think he will. You remember when I got over my skis earlier and was like, things yeah. are going to be okay for the Democrats? <laughs> but still, after the election, when a bunch of Democrats get voted in, the news, like the, the, main, like the mainstream media is going to be all about, like, you know, a bruising rejection for extremes of both parties. Yeah, of course. You know, of course, they'll get it entirely yeah. wrong. They'll get it entirely wrong. Uh, one last thing here before we wrap up. Greg Gutfeld, <laughs> they were talking about uh, abortion on The Five, which because of our- Because co- Gutfeld is the poster child for abortion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Well, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the uh, context. A discussion on women voters in the midterm elections on Wednesday's episode of The Five briefly derailed after a snickering Greg Gutfeld made an off-color comment about abortion. Quote, Jessica, you're a white woman, or so you identify as, he oh, said to God. co-host Jessica Tarloff. Oh, my fucking God. Because you have kids, that changes your filter. Suddenly it's about the price of baby food, not the price of an abortion. Abortion takes what? a backseat to applesauce. Is that a fair assessment? And then she replied, well... And she said, <laughs> yeah, what do I know? I'm just a girl. Actually, no, <laughs> you know what? She pushed back. She pushed back. She said, well, okay. married women do also have abortions. So yeah. that is something to note. And then married he responded... Mothers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he responded... I think that's a valiant point, Jessica. They can be just as murderous as single women. 
Wow. This is the worst of the worst. Whatever, Greg. I mean, like, I just, it, Greg Gutfeld is nobody's Luke Skywalker. There's not a <laughs> single, like, young guy in this country who is like, man, I want to be just like Greg Gutfeld when I grow up. And if he is, he's so, like, statistically rare as to be invisible, but also he's comp- never had any sex with anyone his entire life, except <laughs> maybe the sofa cushion, you know, because like Greg, Gunn, I mean, he's just like pussy repellent. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the things that he says, like any woman who will stay within 20 feet of a man who talks like that, it either has Cockholm syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, or is just functionally dead and in a coma. Yes, I've known this guy. I've known of Greg Gutfeld since like the early Huffington Post days, since like 2005. He's been exactly the same guy all this time. Nothing but a troll, nothing but an asshole. I mean, I'm being very, very kind to him when I call him a premature goblin fetus because that's (laughs) kind of does kind of does look like that. And he's also very teeny tiny. He's got a little teeny tiny man. Uh, And that may explain some things. Explains everything yeah. with his Small little teeny tiny Stacy Adams loafers and his little teeny tiny Rolex. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just what's the saying? The smallest dog has the most to prove. <laughs> that's Greg Gutfeld. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But he's very, very popular for some reason, and that's our cultural rot. But hopefully, yeah. So our kidney stones. Lots of people have them, but <laughs> it's not like. So uh, Tuesday, hopefully, all that turns around. Hopefully, enough Americans make the right choice. Or have made the right choice on their early ballots and so on. So we will keep our fingers crossed and we will report back. I don't know what the hell we're going to do on Tuesday's show. Because anything that Buzz and I talk about on Tuesday's show, (laughs) that's going to have a shelf life of like five seconds. Do like a full two hour Rush discography. Like, you know, talk about Rush. (laughs) I don't know. Something like that. I I don't know what the hell we're going to do. We'll figure it out. (laughs) That's a a great way to pitch the podcast, by the way. I have no idea what's coming up on Tuesday. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about (laughs) it. It's infrastructure week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, shit. Well, the Shadow Dog is still to come here on the show. Uh, for those of you free show listeners, we've got a couple of songs for you here coming up. Both of the songs we previewed coming out of commercials earlier in the show. And then the Shadow Docket happens on our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. we got to make up for a giant glut of declines, rewinding our subscription count back by like a year. So all the people that subscribed in the past year, we, we kind of lost all of them <laughs> because of declines. And for some reason, people who go to change their payment information are unable to do so, which I'm also trying to figure out. It's fun. Tech support is fun. I feel like I'm like a mini Elon Musk dealing with tech support issues myself. What's that smell? It's Elon Musk. Yeah, that's my good. Anytime anybody mentions his name from now on. To be clear, I feel nothing like Elon Musk. I, for example, I have chest hair. Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk's torso looks like a dry erase board with nipples. <laughs> no, it's a bowling pin. It's exactly. <laughs> All right, see you on the Shadow Docket, folks. BobSeskaShow.com. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
us down Can we finally be found In each other's arms above the ground Can we forget the skin we're in And let our souls leave from within Can we drink from Cupid's cup
We have to keep our country gate. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.